episode 167, Even Out the Ingredients. Hey there, this is Danny Sunshine Bauer from Better Leaders, Better Schools, and the School Leadership Series, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, hey, elite educators, it's Gretchen here of Always a Lesson. Thanks for tuning in for more and more episodes. Like I said, you're an elite educator. You are spending your free time perfecting your craft. You have realized by now any type of podcast is great for professional development, especially education ones. So I'm honored that you value this show enough to learn with me every week. And speaking of, I've learned another lesson and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's talk about how balance can bring sanity, except when you have certain classroom ingredients that you just can't seem to even out. So let's reignite your passion of potential. You ready? Here we go. Well, I wanted to start by thanking everyone that's been checking in on me with the arrival of Hurricane Flo to the Carolinas. Charlotte's been getting hit with tons of rain and some wind, but we're doing just fine. My husband's family, though, lives in Wilmington where the hurricane hit, and the devastation is just hard to stomach when it happens to people you know and love. So please keep everyone in that area in your prayers. Today's episode is sort of for teachers in distress, but it's honestly for every teacher because it's going to happen to you at some point in your career. So I decided to widen my net and speak to everyone today instead of just those currently in turbulent water. And the topic came from chatting with my friend Cole, who you heard in a recent episode, and we were chatting about how every year is so different obviously based on a lot of factors, but mostly your class makeup. And this year has really challenged her to think differently than ever before. And in efforts to make her day even better, I started opening up about what I call my strengthening years. And I call them that because they literally almost broke me, but I survived. So it was a season where I grew through the pain and built up my game. (laughs) I just rhymed. That could be a bumper sticker, I think, don't you? I grew through my pain and built up my game. Too bad I don't get paid to think these things up. (laughs) I may just have two pennies to rub together by now. (laughs) So all kidding aside, I call this episode Even Out the Ingredients because balance makes a lot of us happy in everything we do. We, When our life is crazy and we're feeling all sorts of emotions, it usually is because something's out of whack. And when we get everything evened out again, all is well in the world. Well, when that happens in the classroom, it's pretty hard to get balanced because you just can't trade kids and curriculum or protocol in for new replacements. You have to deal with it as is. Well, the past me threw up my hands, cussed a few times, and even said the words, I'm done. 
But every year that ticked on, I realized that with some creativity, I could actually balance things out myself without waiting for a brand new school year to come and do it for me. So to me, the ingredients might change in my classroom, but I can still use my mind and my resources to even out those ingredients so that I can find balance and best help my students learn. Well, for me, I got the most frustrated when things got dumped on me. And I say that because I know I get like super anxious and out of sorts when there's a lot to do under a tight timeline. And so to avoid those moments, I plan things out ahead of time just to give me time to complete them and not feel that anxious rush. And I can't tell you how many times because other people didn't plan or care to plan that their problem then became mine. I either had to do more or I had to help others get their tasks done and my life completely went out of balance too much work, not enough time. And then there were the moments in my personal life was overwhelming and out of balance and I had to take on additional jobs just to make ends meet or, you know, dating life got a hold of my emotions and consumed my mind. Just too much going on personally that my daily dose of balance was out of whack. So whether professionally I was rushing to rescue a colleague or trying to work my way out of last minute, here, do this (laughs) from administrators, Or personally, rushing from job to job, trying to fit everything in before time ran out and managing personal and family matters before they consumed me, I just was not my best. I desperately needed balance and struggled to find or make it. And eventually, I found just the right mix. And again, all was right in the world. But the moments that got me the most were when my classroom ingredients were out of balance. And I didn't feel like I could handle them like I could my colleagues or my own professional homework, or my personal life. You know, sometimes I had too many high kids and not enough challenging material prepared, or I had too many IEPs and not enough me to go around and meet those needs, or most often I had too many behavior problems to count, and I was drowning in paperwork trying to document all my attempts at restoring balance and maintaining control in a whacked-out classroom. And when this would happen year after year, I literally thought I wasn't cut out for teaching. I was bitter that any kid deemed a behavior problem, which by the way, they rarely are, but that's a whole other episode, was placed in my classroom for me to fix, quote unquote, because I was most often the one that could without losing steam with the other kids. But guess what? That takes a lot of energy and someone can get burnt out running on full steam every day. And my strategy was basically figure out where the problem was coming from and then brainstorm solutions to get that part balanced and the rest took care of itself because it was a ripple effect that would take over and balance was restored. So for example, the combination of kids can make or break the whole vibe of a class. I know you know that. And it's not so much about like how many kids in one classroom are challenging as it is the variety of challenges that you have that really affects everyone else. Like I'm an abusive student that at any moment could fly off the handle, one that withdrew into a shell if I had any sort of stern voice, numerous assignment avoiders who played all sorts of shenanigans to get out of doing anything, and one, just one, not yet identified ADHD class clown. And so that doesn't sound bad. This was one year, so I had plenty other cases other years. And there weren't very many behaviors here that I listed for you. And, and they weren't really too crazy either, but it was the combination of them all that had me running here and there and everywhere. And I needed to even out the ingredients. And I finally figured out that once I got the behavior ingredients evened out, 
then I could attack academic ones because those dang behaviors got in the way of academic progress every time. And over the years, I got better at spotting the moments that could lead to an unbalanced classroom, and I got to work preventing that tailspin. But in the beginning and for many years after, I struggled to find my zen and like a seesaw, I was up and down and up and down trying strategies that would have different effects on other aspects of the classroom. And then I'd have to go make adjustments to those new problems (laughs) until I could just find the right combination and we could finally get our year underway. It's just a horrible, unproductive, inefficient way to work. And I know right now y'all are imagining your certain scenarios that have left you with battle scars, but you're better off for it and you certainly don't even want to repeat it. And I want to help us avoid those moments that just take us down, especially for, gosh, an entire year. It, it's exhausting. It disables us. It makes us never want to do it again. And I refuse to lose any more great teachers. And I especially refuse to allow you to go through too long of a season of frustration because something in your classroom is out of balance. And I might not be able to cure all of the pains in this one episode, but I hope I get your brain going and how to come up with creative solutions to ease those very specific pains. And remember, this episode is for all of you teachers because you are bound to hit a snag somewhere in your years of service where things just don't jive. And don't wait until then to ask for help. Put some of these ideas in your back pocket and use them when you need to. So let's dive into solution mode. As I said, I personally found more success getting behaviors into balance and then moving to academic ones. So that's how I'm going to share my solutions. But of course, do what works for you and your current mixture of student ingredients. So behavior wise, I would get a roster and I marked any student's name that required my time, even if it was just some minor redirection. And then I grouped those students with similar needs. Like these are the frequent bathroom goers. These are the comment blurters, whatever. And then I prioritized those groups in that list from the worst to the, hey, that's not so bad. And next to the student names, I would brainstorm and write in a solution. So if they had a similar problem, then it was the same solution for a bunch of them. But many of them had some kind of idiosyncrasies like change seating, uh, behavior reward plan, whatever is your next step in your solution, just write that next to them. And then the next day, apply those solutions. And if they work, great, leave them on the list. If they don't, cross it out, don't erase it, cross it out, and next to it, write your next solution or your next step. Because this is going to be helpful when you go to your administrator for help or get the counselor involved or have parent-teacher conferences or even just one-on-ones with these kids. You can say, hey, here is the behavior I'm seeing the most. Here are the things I have tried. And so it's just a paper trail and it helps you kind of organize your thoughts. So it's a very simple system. Just get that roster, mark students' names that require any of your attention for behavior, group them with similar needs, prioritize the worst down to the not so bad, and then next to their name, write the solution. Next day, apply them and revise them. So the academic strategies is pretty much the exact same system because the more I can keep things the same, the more I don't lose my mind. So I'd get a different roster this time and I would mark any student's name that required additional instruction, like high kids, low kids, whatever. The kids in the middle that just were fine with my direct instruction or my small group instruction, I just left them alone because I knew they were getting what they needed. But this would be like above and beyond what you're already trying to do. And then again, group those students with similar needs, like these guys need manipulatives, these guys need a word wall, these guys need large font on the paper, whatever. And then prioritize the ones that are the most time consuming for you down to the least intervention. 
next to those kids' names, write your solution, and then apply them and revise them as necessary. So it's pretty much the same system, but you have a different roster for behavior and academic. And I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this both? And like I told you, I did the behavior ones first because I realized that a lot of the academic issues were stemming from distractions of the behavior. So just work with that one roster first and try and get some of those bigger behaviors under control and then start moving in your academic ones. You still are going to differentiate your instruction as you normally would. This academic intervention is more like the kids that just truly need more time than you even have available with what you're given now. Last but not least, my biggest tip to you, and this is for literally anything you're trying to get better at in your instruction, is to write it in to your lesson plan. When I thought through my directions, I knew specific students had no gray area to expose and misbehave or say, well, you didn't say I had to do it this way. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I take the extra time to really think through, okay, what are they going to try to do here? And I was clear and I had simple directions. And what I even did to go beyond that is I started putting them in my PowerPoint slides through my instruction. And so when a transition would happen or there was an assignment, bam, the instructions were right there and black and white. It was simple, clear, concise. Students could reference it as often as they needed without asking me or talking to their peers. It just fixed so many issues. And like a domino, it cleared up so many other things that were happening during that time. Plus, when I wrote in specific students into my lesson plan of who I was going to check in and, and when I was going to be doing that... I knew that I was making my rounds to meet student needs without checking in on one group too much and not so much on others. So it was a way for me to kind of make sure, okay, I'm check hitting these three students today during this time, and then later today I'm checking on these, and then by the end of the week I know, okay, I've hit one-on-one -on -one with every single student. You may need to adjust to some more than others, but again, this is a accountability system for me, and when it's in the lesson plan, I can't forget to do it. Like it's not on a post-it, it's not in my head, like it's right there in black and white in the lesson plan. And these students that I was checking on would change based on the subject I was teaching. So I always had that roster next to me knowing, you know, how kids did on an assessment or an assignment and what skill I needed to hit again to help them. So that's my way of doing it is always have a roster, a student's names and next to it I'm writing interventions or I'm writing notes to myself on something I need to work with them on or I'm grouping them and it's always very messy but in, for me <laughs> it's how my brain works and how I was able to work on the fly like yes I can make some pretty groups and and throw them up on a slide or make a pretty anchor chart or something but for me to be able to constantly change it and know okay I worked on this last time now I'm working on this or wow, look at the growth from this. It's just a bunch of pencil notes with weird symbols and things crossed out, but it makes sense to me and it kind of documents what I do. And I always brought that in with me for debriefs of observations of like, hey, this is what I have been doing. <laughs> and people would look at this like a mind map, like what the heck is that chicken scratch? And I'm like, no, really, look, this is what I've been doing. And they're like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, I totally see what how it is. And because it's with me all the time and constantly changing. That's that's why it's so messy. And I, and I am type A, but I don't go home and try and make that pretty because I'd be doing that way too much. Anyway, planning got so much easier when I started getting more in tune with my class composition. And so what I'm saying is my biggest tip is when you get your plethora of solutions, hold yourself accountable to actually using them by putting them into your lesson. And if you haven't noticed, evening out the ingredients is a trial and error process because what made things even last year 
won't even occur this year, you know? So as I mentioned, sometimes you apply strategy that helps problem A, maybe it creates a new problem or doesn't work with this particular student groupings, and you got to figure it out. So be easy on yourself as you're brainstorming on an exhausted mind and body day in and day out. Just do your best to troubleshoot. And as long as you're implementing solutions daily to combat the lack of balance, you're doing the best for kids. Like you're trying to figure it out. It's not going to happen overnight and don't get mad that you can't figure it out. And you don't have to do it on your own. If you've got a mentor, meet with them. If you've got experienced colleagues, have them come observe. If you've got administrators with ideas, go give them a shot. Even consult parents. They know a lot about their own kid. They might have a few strategies up their sleeves that they use at home that you could apply in the classroom. You're not in this alone. And remember, it's not that the kids are bad or that there's too many kids with this or that, but it's the combination of kids that can make your year rough or smooth. But every year can be a smooth year. It just requires some adjustment adjustment, some creativity, lots of lots of energy. But you now are armed to know how to combat that. And hopefully you can spot that those areas in your classroom ingredients that need attention before the lack of balance arrives. That way you can avoid any of the stress and frustration that I felt year after year. It's like putting puzzle pieces together. Some pieces are bigger, some are smaller, but in the end it all works together. We just got to hunker down and solve it. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on finding balance in our classroom by evening out the variety of academic and behavior ingredients. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.